it's never as good as it seems and it's never as bad as it seems so wow. I like that that's good I think I think it's probably more relevant to my field than than probably from a fan's perspective yeah because I know when I was back living in Adelaide I used to follow the Adelaide Crows and if they lost three games in the trot I was one of those that was like get him out get him out get him out everything's <laughs> let's plan for next year the season's over rah, rah. but I think now working in this environment when we were you know going so well not not so well but when when we were getting wins on the board at the start of the year yeah there was obviously things that we knew we weren't doing too well and we could patch up you never just get a win and put it under the carpet you never get a loss and think it's all doom and gloom I'm Ren McDonald and this is the Hope Initiative a show dedicated to learning about humans on planet Earth, where I speak with everyday people to find moments of success and struggle in their life to help inspire hope in yours. Hello everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Hope Initiative. Thanks again for listening. This week on the show, I have Josh Sale, who is an Adelaide-born Melbourne now based man who is 24 years of age. He works for the St Kilda Football Club in their data analysis and match review section. In this conversation we speak about taking risks in life that maybe don't seem all that comfortable, moving from Adelaide to Melbourne and what he hopes comes in the future. I hope you enjoyed this chat with Josh. Thanks for listening. Here he is. Josh Dale, welcome to the Hope Initiative. Thanks, Ren. Thanks for having me. No worries. Take two. <laughs> the, the, uh, I think the batteries just went flat. We're going to start again. So we know each other through a job that we both had that you used to work at that I still get the occasional shift at, which is a company called Social Sport. Um, I actually interviewed, last week's episode was with a guy who used to work for Social Sport and started his own company, Just Play. You, do you remember some Just Play teams that sort of... Correct, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I interviewed the founder of that, that company, David Argyle, who's a good mate of mine, Liverpool supporter as well, so involved at my um, soccer club back in the day. But that's how we know each other, through through social sport. But you're originally from Adelaide, is that correct? Yes, correct. Beautiful. So basically how this works, I generally ask people or my guests an open-ended question to tell me a bit about their life so that the listeners have a sense of who you are and and what you're about. So if you don't mind telling me a bit about who you are and what's important to you and how you've come to, to where you are now, that'd be great. So take it away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, perfect. I haven't had to answer this question too many times before, but I mean, I in terms of personality, definitely an introvert, I reckon. I probably used to be an extrovert just out of high school going clubbing and things like that. I probably used to be an extrovert, but after probably maturing, I've probably become more of an introvert now. Love my sport, just sport mad with everything. I'm a big fan of, obviously, Arsenal, the shirt I'm wearing. Big NBA fan as well. Um, What do you go for in the NBA? Los Angeles Lakers fan. Okay. So I have some LeBron James gear. I'm not one of those that's just followed him because of LeBron. Yeah. I always have followed him for probably the past 10 years now. Not as as full-on as, say, an Arsenal world. Or my AFL, my love for AFL here as well. And even cricket and... Well, cricket. I was going to say soccer as well, but I already have. But cricket as well. I'm an avid follower, so I'm probably a bit of a sports 
fanatic or some might say over the top and my parents probably say over the top but sort of led me to my passion when I was studying business at university a few years ago yeah. uh, it's probably five or six years ago now yeah. how um, old are you as well just for uh 24 okay yeah so you're 18 studying back in Adelaide yeah so just out of high school I started studying business management yeah. um that was after doing quite well business in year 12 looking back in hindsight would probably have been nice to take a gap year I yeah. think would have been nice to sort of take a step back and say all right what do I really want to do but I just jumped into it because I was really good at it figured it was quite a broad sort of area to get a job in so I thought you know perfect there's probably good money in it did that for a year or so met some good people did some topics that were okay but I learned after about a year or so that you know this probably isn't for me and I was just sitting at uni one day and I was in the library and I actually skipped a shoot that day I was at uni made the effort to drive to uni park went to went to the library to do the the work before the shoot and then just didn't want to go to the shoot so I just sat there in the library looking at sports stuff um, news on the Lakers, news on Arsenal and things like that. And that's probably when it clicked to me, like, why don't I just do something in sport? Like, yep. if I love it so much, why am I sitting here going through a business course? If, you know, what if I get a job one day in the business field and then not not that there's not business in sport, but that's probably not really a passion of mine anyway. So right. that's when I started to look and I found originally some courses in Melbourne at Vic Uni, which I am doing now, but I sort of veered away from that because I found some courses in Adelaide probably wasn't ready for the move interstate at that stage. Had you thought about moving interstate like when you initially saw those those courses being advertised here? I did definitely consider it. I was just newly into a relationship with my girlfriend who currently lives with me now. So it's worked out anyway. But just at the time, it just didn't feel right. I felt like I was too young and I didn't really want to make such a big move for something I wasn't 100% on. Yep. And because there was offerings in Adelaide, I felt like it wouldn't, it would be a bit naive of me to ignore that because there's obviously sporting teams and stuff in Adelaide. So I managed to transfer straight across into the sport degree. First year of that was was quite fun, but I didn't get a huge amount out of it. Like I didn't learn a whole lot. And I just sort of, I volunteered at some random events because obviously when you go to uni, they push you to volunteer and things like that. And I volunteered at, you know, some various events like Stadium Stomp and uh, uni games. Yep. I helped run, I think it was volleyball at uni games when it was in Adelaide I think all the Vic Uni and Latrobe and stuff came over to Adelaide and it was a big uni game so I worked that but again like the business side of it just wasn't for me and I'd already had started coaching soccer at a high school while I was doing that and that was definitely the passion of mine I felt like it's pretty hard to make a career out of coaching unless you've played at the highest level but there's definitely other streams that you can go down so that's when I started to pursue that and probably the start of it was when I managed to pick up a gig with um, the South Australian indoor cricket team. So I managed to coach the under-17 team um, in the national championships, which was pretty cool. Um, And that was probably my biggest, my biggest role in terms of coaching. And it sort of opened me up and the people that I met while I was at the championships and sort of the avenues they've gone down sort of helped me realize that, you know, coaching probably is for me. And then, uh, through university, I managed to score my placements. Obviously, when you do university, you got to get a placement. And I did my placement in Adelaide with South Adelaide Footy Club, which is VFL, but in SA, so SANFL. So for any international listeners, basically the the state competition in Adelaide, you probably, was that one of the better teams over there? In terms of success regarding 
probably trophies. I would say no. They're probably one of the, the lesser teams, probably to do with funding. And they had a connection. They just started a connection with the university, so that's how it came about. But, um, yep. yeah, I wouldn't say they're necessarily successful instead of in terms of premierships because I think it's been quite a while since they <laughs> sure. won a premiership. Yeah. But, no, a great club. So my first placement with them was with their under-16s. Doing a whole bunch of fitness testing and data analysis and things like that, and that's probably the first exposure that I got to, you know, the real world of you know professional sport. Or obviously, when they're sixteen, it's not professional, but yeah. you get an eye opener to what it would be like to work in that field. So that to me was like, all right, this is really what I want to do. And then from that, stemmed into taking on a role with their senior team, which I was fortunate enough to do. It was a volunteer position, like an internship, but it was in their strength and conditioning team. So they're their manager, who's now a good friend of mine, I'm actually going to his engagement party this weekend in Adelaide, oh, nice. funnily enough. But um, yeah, that was quite cool working there for a year. And then during that year, an opportunity opened up through the university to go across to Arsenal to do some coaching. So I applied for that. And originally when I applied, I didn't actually know it was for Arsenal. It just said uh, like soccer coaching in England, which oh, wow. in, in itself was cool. Like I didn't expect that it would be Arsenal. And then... In the interview, I just asked, you know, where where's this going? And they said, oh, Arsenal Football Club. And to be honest, I sat in my chair and I was so shocked. <laughs> I was like, you got to be kidding me. Like, this, surely this won't happen. But I was accepted. And then going across there really made me believe that I could do it. Like, I really could chase the dream of working in professional sport. Yeah. So how old were you when, when this happened, when you went over to Arsenal? Uh, that was at the start of 2017, so about two and a half years ago now. Okay. Um, so Arsenal, for anyone who hasn't heard of them, because I do have some international listeners, yep. but um, just want to keep them clued up. So Arsenal, I mean, you're maybe biased being an Arsenal fan. They've got a cup final, cup final tomorrow in Azerbaijan against Chelsea, who are another club from London. But would you say Arsenal are probably the most successful club in, in London, at least? Maybe not in most recent time, but I would say probably dating back really over the last hundred years, I would personally say that they are, right? Yeah, I personally agree, I think, from the history side of things. Absolutely. Yeah, I remember watching the um, Invincibles play was just like, it was, that's, to be honest, that's when I started watching Arsenal, so you could say, did I jump on the bandwagon? Yeah, I probably did, but, you know, they've had a hard time since then, so you can't, I mean... If I was a bandwagoner, I would have jumped off by now, let's be, yeah. let's be honest. I mean, you would have no. been, what, like eight or nine, though, when the Invincibles were, yeah, was were playing. Very, so. very young, yeah. Right. You fall in love with something, right, at some age. I mean, I started sporting Liverpool because of Harry Kuehl, who yeah. was the biggest Australian player at the time. And I actually asked my dad for a Leeds United shirt, which was the club he was originally playing at yeah. when I first started watching soccer. Thank God he didn't get me a, a Leeds United shirt, or he's still supporting <laughs> them, most likely. But I just wanted to fill in. So you, you've gone over at the age of, what, 22? Uh, 21, 22? Yeah, 21, 22. Yeah, about right. that, yeah. So you go over to England to do an apprenticeship, so to speak, with them. So what what did you do? Tell me a bit about that. Yeah, so there was five of us that went across from the university. And I knew them quite well, which helped. Um, it was sort of like mates going across mm. to work together in England. Um, so we lived together over there. We worked mainly in their community program. So Arsenal in the community, I don't know if anyone really knows about them and most people probably don't, but the amount of work they do in the community over there is is mammoth. If you've ever got the chance, if you just look at it on Google, if you type in Arsenal in the community, 
they do a tremendous amount of stuff with refugees, with people with disabilities, school age groups. Yeah, it's it's endless really. Yep. But also on top of that, we did a little bit of work with sort of athletes in the area. So that was probably more of the interest for me. So I've really got an experience of what high-level coaching is like over there and just the way they communicate with players and things like that. So, I mean, if you were to ask me now what we did every single day because there was so much going on, there was so much I would have forgotten because there was just so much to take in. But, yeah, that was really the moment for me that I was like, yeah, I really need to give Melbourne a crack. So, yeah, certainly a, a great experience, yeah. Yeah. You've told me a bit about that, about sort of, I guess, from the age of 18 to sort of now, or at least what made you sort of take the leap to come to Melbourne. And we'll get into a bit more of that soon. But I want to go back before you were 18. What were you like a bit younger? Because obviously you've told me you're a sports fanatic, right? What were you like when you were maybe, you know, 8, 9, 10 years old? You obviously started supporting Arsenal at that young age. Were you affected by maybe kids you went to school with or was your parents or family, you know, sports crazy as well? Like, what do you think has shaped you? Any any thoughts there? Um, my parents, probably if if none of... Because I, I have three brothers. Okay. And it probably helped having my two older brothers who one now lives in Melbourne. They're both sports fanatics just like me. So them growing up and playing sport, me being the younger one, wanted to probably do what they did. So that's probably how I started playing sport. So we played cricket in the backyard together. Real competitive, as you can imagine, four brothers just being (laughs) as competitive as ever when it came to cricket or soccer. No one wanted to lose. So in terms of my home life, uh, my parents, I I think my mum's brother played cricket for Tasmania. But apart from that, no real sport background on either side of the family, extended okay. wise. Yeah. So it was just my two, and I mean, it could have been completely different had my two older brothers been into musical theatre, for example. I might be into musical theatre. Who knows? So that probably had a real big impact on me because then going to primary school, I just remember all my mates. We played footy at recess and lunch. We played cricket at recess and lunch in summer. We played basketball together on a Tuesday afternoon in a, in a school competition. Played school footy together all the way through, school cricket together. Then in high school, probably stopped playing after school sport as much because the school I was at was more of an academic type school. Yeah. So they didn't really have the huge sporting background of some schools that you get, apart from soccer. So soccer was really the only sport I played in high school. So yeah, that's probably, in terms of before 18, probably in high school, I was quite a social guy. I think I started going to, to house parties in year nine. Apologies if my mum listens to this. I did start drinking in year nine. Not <laughs> not like and not not over the top, but yeah, I did have my first drink in year nine, which yeah. looking back, was it a was it something I regret? Probably not. Because right. it didn't affect me in any way. Like I had I think I had one drink at the time. Didn't feel any different afterwards. Yeah. Um, I think I had red wine mixed with Coke, which if oh. I think about that now, I think how disgusting that would yeah, be. Like horrible. Yeah, just at that time it was just the thing, it was cool to do that, so we did it. Um, okay. Interesting. I don't know if that yeah. was a thing in Melbourne. I never tried oh. red wine and coke. <laughs> I, mean, I didn't go to too many house parties in Year Nine myself. Yeah. But there you go. <laughs> yeah, ridiculous. Ooh. Nice. So, okay. So you, I guess it's fair to say you probably, like most people, affected a bit about a bit by rather their you know, siblings, so to speak. You were obviously quite sports mad growing up. Played a lot of different stuff. What did you want to be when you grew up at that young age? Do you remember it all? 
I don't, I don't actually remember primary school wise. The only real memories I have of primary school was um, probably year seven with two of two of mates of mine. One who I'm still really good mates with. One who I don't talk to as much. Just went our different ways. But um, in primary school, I can't probably remember what I was what I was wanting to be. In high school, as I said, I didn't really take high school as seriously as probably what I should have. Yeah. In terms of uh, subjects and things like that, I think PE and business were the only two subjects I really any interest in in year 12 so mm. i never really was one of those they threw a lot of stuff at us in year 10 and year 11 what do you want to do what do you want to what university degree do you want to do and i just sort of brush it over and i'm not really interested so yeah it's interesting at a young age apart from being a massive sports fanatic i didn't really have something that i necessarily wanted to be yeah i remember when we did work experience i was just so silly to it and didn't even think about planning it that it got to it and I didn't have one, so I had to work in my dad's office. Okay. What did your dad do? Uh, my dad, he works in the uh, construction industry okay. as like a quantity surveyor and project manager. Yeah. What did you do for him then in that work experience? <laughs> well, you weren't allowed to directly work with with your, with your someone from your family. So I had to oh, work okay. with uh, the separate part of the company that was project management. So essentially, they just manage projects. So they sort of... They're basically the guy that oversees the construction of buildings. So it might be liaising with um, the builders, the tradies, the owner of the building to make sure deadlines are met, budgets keeping in. But yeah, just being the, the guy in charge, to okay. be honest, which for me, it was never <laughs> really the thing for me. And I mean, at that age, I just I just wanted to get out for my lunch break. That was one hour and go across the road to, to City Cross, which was a food court and just chill out there for an hour. <laughs> That's how I saw work experience, which, yeah. you know, I, I wish I took it a bit more seriously now. I might have got to where I wanted to be a bit earlier, but I mean, not everyone follows that that typical path of three years after high school doing university. So sure. I'm not disappointed where I am today. I couldn't be any more happier. So yeah. Yeah. Nice. Were you worried at all when you were that age? Do you remember, you know, maybe having parental pressure and I'm not saying you did. I know for me, my parents, you know, would say, you know, what do you want to, what do you want to do? And probably a lot of people ask that of, of, teenagers who were like 15 16 you know what are you planning to do blah 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 but were you ever worried about what you might end up doing one day i don't think so and that's probably something that i'll be thankful for my parents for because they never really pushed me i think if my parents were to push me i probably would have stuck with business they would have been like no you do the one new degree you do that in high school they never really pushed me i think they probably would have got annoyed at some of my report cards yeah (laughs) in subjects that you know doesn't pay attention in class or whatever it's really quite astounding because if i look back and if i was to give advice to a like a kid in high school now i wouldn't necessarily say know what you want to do but it would probably pay a bit more attention in class and Mm. probably take things a bit more seriously than i did so yeah i wasn't i wasn't particularly worried which which probably wasn't a good thing (laughs) (laughs) now fair enough i mean i guess there's a few ways to look at it probably but you obviously didn't take it too seriously which you know, you can look back now in hindsight and look at where you are and say, well, it has worked out in a sense, you know, we'll come on to talk about it, but I, I would say you're enjoying what you're doing now. You work for St Kilda Football Club, which is uh, a team who competes in the national competition for the Australian Football League here. Would it be fair to say you you enjoy that, your day-to-day sort of job? Yeah, absolutely. I um, I didn't, I moved here with the 
with the want and the drive to eventually get there and only being there on a part-time basis, I definitely haven't made it or anything like that yet. There's still work mm. to do to get to where I want to. But um, but yeah, in terms of day-to-day of what I, this is exactly what I want to do. So yeah, couldn't be happier. I wish I could be there full-time, but you know, it's not up to me. But yeah, hopefully, hopefully down the track, whether it's at St Kilda, whether it's, you know, any other club, just, yeah, to do this every single day would be, yeah, the dream. Yeah, nice one. All right, so going back to when you went over to London to work with Arsenal, you mentioned that that sort of gave you the confidence or maybe more of a light bulb moment into the fact that now's the time I should take sort of the plunge to go to Melbourne. that fair to say? Yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah. So you did that. That was obviously a good time. How long were you in London for with Arsenal? I think we worked with them for six weeks and then we were there three or four days either side. So we were there probably six or seven weeks. Okay. So in their winter, so very cold. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah. So what, like over Christmas sort of time? Uh, It was January, February. So I think we got there late Jan and left early March. Okay. From memory. Yeah, Yeah. I reckon that's right. My brother's living in Leeds at the moment. I, I know March is probably the coldest month on yeah, this yeah. from what he, he's told me. Yeah. Can often snow there, which is nice if you're into that sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, we're, we're cold now. It's freezing out here in Melbourne, but what probably wouldn't even be lower than 10, 10 degrees today. I think it's meant to be 12, which I, I should probably be in a jumper, but if I'm going outside later, which I will... I'll definitely put a jumper on. But yeah, this is as cold as it gets here. Yeah, but it's blue skies right now. Like, you'd look outside and think it was an all right day. Yeah. It's freezing for us anyway. All right, so you have this thing. And one thing I'd like to know is, do you think that that was maybe something you could look back on as being a pivotal moment in your life to that's led you to where you are now and maybe just reflect on how that maybe changed you as a person, if if that ship did at all, or maybe just the things you got out of it and how it's led you to where you are now. Yeah, for sure. I definitely do think it was a pivotal moment because I think that if I didn't go on that, I would probably still be in Adelaide and I'd probably still be working, probably getting paid by now at at South Adelaide or doing something else in Adelaide around sport. But I think it was a pivotal moment in that I probably doubted whether or not I was ready to move away from home. And I think just having that time away, living living away from home, I should say, albeit six, seven weeks, it was a time that you felt, okay, maybe I can do this. And then once I found out that I wasn't completely out of my depth over in England, I sort of felt like, you know, maybe I can do this, maybe I am good enough. Yeah. And really, I mean, nothing against my mates, but had I said to my mates, I'm heading across to Arsenal, they probably would have laughed in my face and said, you can't do that, surely not. But my parents and my girlfriend in particular are probably the ones that drove my belief, I reckon. Before I went over to England, they're probably the three main ones that truly believed that I could do it and pushed me to do it. And that as well, moving to Melbourne, something else that they they pushed for me as well. Um, mm. So they're probably the three for me that if it wasn't for them, I may or may not be here working at the Saints today. They, yeah, they showed their belief in me. They pretty much showed me the way and, I, I believe in myself. It's not, not, it's not that I'm not a confident person. It's just that being a sport fanatic all my life, I thought that you know you had to be pretty intelligent or pretty well-renowned to work at a, at a sporting club sort of thing. You never really think that it could happen. And then you know going over to England and, and feeling like you could do it, 
and wanting to go back for more. I remember when I left England, I just wanted to go back to England and wanted to work at Arsenal. And that's maybe something down the track that I'll that I'll look to do is go and work in England. Yeah, in, I was actually going to ask you that. Like, yeah. is that a goal, a dream of yours one day to work at Arsenal? Yeah, I think I have definite passion for AFL at the moment, which I want to pursue right now, and that's going to be something that I try and pursue for however long. But certainly I look at, at the moment, Darren Burgess is heading the fitness program or high-performance program over at Arsenal. Right. He's an Australian. He's an Australian, yeah. He worked at Liverpool, actually. Yeah, um, yeah. Worked at Liverpool, he worked at Port Adelaide. Yeah. Worked for the Socceroos. Yeah. Yeah. I actually tried to get in contact with him a few years ago. Oh, really? And basically get him to write me a a fitness program (laughs) when he was working at Liverpool. I I got him a letter through David Koch, who's the president of... um, of Port Adelaide, yeah, and sort of a bit of a, a media personality. I think he might be on like Channel Seven in the mornings or something. Yeah. I don't watch too much TV, but yeah, got through him through a, a TV show that was on Foxtel, The Recruit. Yeah, yeah, you know that. Yep. So I, I got it, and he replied. He did reply, <laughs> but didn't didn't give me the yeah. the, um, <laughs> the thing. But it's interesting that you say, and I don't mean to cut you off there, but That's right, obviously yeah. you know that just reminded me because. You, you say that you don't think that you could maybe ever do it one day working, I guess, in an elite sporting environment because yeah. Arsenal and that environment is probably one of the most elite environments in the world yeah. in any sort of form of sport, um, let alone even just soccer, right? And obviously we'll get into talking about St Kilda and I don't know too much, but I'm just assuming that as someone externally, but... These people aren't sort of so much out of reach that you can't somehow get in contact with them, right? I mean, it is 2019. People have Twitter accounts, Instagram, you know, and you're only so far away in terms of degrees of separation from anyone on the planet at any given time, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I remember back in Adelaide, I um, uh, Twitter messaged a guy that was working at the Adelaide Crows and was teeing up like just a day to go in and see what things are like there and... It just shows there you could do that. I mean, I could message anyone and you never know. They might reply, they might not. Depends if they're looking at the phone. Depends if their team's coming off a loss and they're angry. They don't really want to talk to anyone. Or <laughs> it might be that things are going cherry ripe and you know what? Let's open up the doors. Let's get people in. Let's open our arms. So, yeah, I think that in this day and age, you know, there's potential with LinkedIn and Twitter and things like that to, you don't want to be a pest. But I mean, if, if I was to go to England for a holiday, I would certainly be looking to message certain people over there that I know on... Well, I don't know them, but I follow them on Twitter. So, yeah, yeah, that's certainly something that, as an industry, is a positive thing because I think that, you know, once Darren Burgess gets 10 years older, someone's going to take his spot, obviously. I'm not saying that he's only going to be there for another 10 years. (laughs) Who knows? There might be five, it might be 20. Yeah. You can call him out. Go on, rattle him. I don't think (laughs) you'll... Somehow I don't think you'll listen to this anytime soon, but maybe... But yeah, sorry, before I did interject there, you were talking about there are Australians working at Arsenal. Yeah. I think there's quite a few more than just Darren. Yeah. But yeah, you you were talking about him and, and sort of what he's up to. What is it maybe about him? I know he's in a bit of a different field to what you're doing specifically at a sporting club, but does that serve as inspiration to you to know that you can make it one day? Yeah, I think as well in the NBA, it's quite prevalent now that Australians work in NBA actually really prevalent i think milwaukee bucks orlando magic philadelphia 76ers three teams off the top of my head that i know there are australians working in their backroom 
stuff, like in their analytics and their strength and conditioning and things like that. So it certainly gives you that belief that you can get there one day. And it probably shows as well that people from America, from Europe, from England, they're interested in Australian knowledge. They're interested in people from Australia. So Arsene Wenger hunted Darren Burgess for the job. Like he went out there and headhunted Darren Burgess for the job. And that just makes you think, well, Darren Burgess did his degree in Australia. Darren Burgess did all his prior work to where he is now, everything he would have done in Australia before moving across and working with Liverpool. So obviously if he can do it, while I'm not necessarily working in the same direct field as him, there's no reason why you can't have the same sort of apprenticeship and then eventually get your way over there. So yeah, that's certainly now it's become even more uh, common for Australians to be working overseas because they see, I don't know, whether they see Australia as a as a country that's nailing on the head at the moment or whether they just want to get diverse range of people in with different sort of expertise and opinions, who knows? But yeah, it certainly makes you feel like there's an opportunity there for sure. Yeah, nice. So I think this is a good time to maybe talk about what you do because yeah. we haven't really spoken about it and people might be wondering like, yeah. what do you like, yeah, what do you do? So why don't you tell us a bit about your role at the St Kilda Football Club? Yeah, so in the football analysis department, so essentially there's four or five of us in the department that basically looking at all the trends going around the competition at the moment. We know about the rule changes in the AFL at the moment. A fair bit of time has been spent on what's going on in the league, what a team's doing that's, you know, negating these rules, what a team's doing to, you know, work their way around that. It's quite unique in that we rewatch games from different angles, so we get given vision provided by Hawkeye from behind the goals and things like that. Because when you're watching on TV, you can only really see maybe the 10-metre square around the play with the ball. So if a player turns the ball over, you might be yelling abuse at the player that's done that. But it's probably a fair chance that it's someone else further up the ground that's actually made the error. He might not have led into the right space. It could be other aspects that, you know, when you're sitting at the footy and I'm just going to use a player for an example. Um, I'm going to use the Crows because I'm not in Adelaide anymore. So let's just say Eddie Betts turns the ball over inside 50 and all the fans are sort of getting frustrated at Eddie Betts. It's probably a fair chance it's not Eddie Betts' fault. So when you look at the vision from behind the goals, you're able to see every single player on the field. Mm. So you're able to work out essentially not not that you're like finding excuses for every single mistake that you make because AFL is such a 360-degree game with so many different variables that errors are made every almost every 10, 15 seconds in right. the NFL. And that probably goes to say with, with all sports, you know, opposition players are trying to put pressure on the person with the ball yeah. to turn it over. So, yeah, but there's there's obviously things that you can assess, right? Yeah, and it's probably more game plan specific. So I imagine the analysts working at Collingwood would be looking at things from their perspective and what can they do better because obviously all teams would have a separate game plan. So we're looking at things based on our game plan and then... You know, we've got a particular guy who's looking at what opposition teams are doing and when we're coming up against them. So this weekend we're coming up against Port Adelaide. So he would have watched Port Adelaide a few times before so that he presents to the coaches and the players of this is what we can do against Port Adelaide to effectively beat them or put ourselves in the best opportunity of beating them. So, yeah... Apart from looking at trends, it's how can we win win games of football because, you know, it's a win-loss industry and you want to be sort of getting ahead of the curve. So 
not only are you looking at yourselves, because there's always ways to improve. I think my favorite quote is, I don't know whose quote it is, but it's never as good as it seems and it's never as bad as it seems. So right. I like that. That's good. I think I think it's probably more relevant to my field than than probably from a fan's perspective. Yeah. Because I know when I was back living in Adelaide, I used to follow the Adelaide Crows and if they lost three games on the trot, I was one of those that was like, get him out, get him out, get him out. Everything's, <laughs> let's plan for next year. The season's over, rah, rah, rah. But I think now working in this environment, when we were you know going so well, not not so well, but when, when we were getting wins on the board at the start of the year, yeah, there was obviously things that we knew we weren't doing too well and we could patch up. As well as the last four weeks from the outside, it probably looked like, hey, they're losing four in the trot. Maybe they aren't the real deal. Yeah, okay, we have lost and we have performed pretty poorly, but there are things we are doing well as well. So let's, when we are winning, let's make sure that we are addressing the negatives as well because I imagine that Geelong, who are now 9-1, and are probably sitting there thinking there's things that they can get better at. Well, for their sake, I hope they are. And I know that if we were to win this week, there'd be things that didn't go so well, but if we lost this week, there'd be things that did go well. Right. So there's always two sides to the story. So you never you never just get a win and put it under the carpet. You never get a loss and think it's all doom and gloom. So, yeah. Yeah, that's bang on. I, I really like hearing that from someone who works in the industry, so to speak. Being involved in my soccer club, we lost our first game, the seniors on the weekend, yeah. to the top side in our league. But we'd won our first six of the season and came up against them and it was the top two clash. We lost 2-1. We were 1-0 up at half time. Lost to one. We're quite a small side in terms of general height. Like yeah. I think we might only have three or four players over six foot, and we're all quite young. Like I told you before we started recording, that I'm the oldest player. But the attitude and sort of the reaction after the game, I didn't really expect to be honest. And I was, I don't know. I say didn't expect, but I also as well wasn't really surprised. Like everyone was quite disappointed, but it was almost like, well, fuck season's over when it's very much not because that team they've played nine and lost one and we've played seven and lost one so we've got two games in hand if we win them we could be higher than them on the ladder if goal difference swings so I like that quote it's what not as bad as it seems but not as good as it seems something like that yeah 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 we'll have to maybe find that I'll put that in the show notes (laughs) google it and figure it out but it's it's a good point because it's so true and I think you can probably adapt that to a lot of areas in life. You know, you might have an argument, say, with your your partner. Yeah. And, you know, it's a one-off thing. Or it, maybe it happens once a week, but it's not to say that your whole relationship's horrible. Or you might have an argument with your boss or have a shit day as well. You might have a shit day where nothing goes right. Yeah, yeah. But it doesn't mean your life sucks. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Nice. I just want to sort of mention that because it's, I think, a good point to make for, for people and good sort of theme for what I try to do. But sweet. So, all right. So you've got a bit going on there at St Kilda. I noticed when I came in, you've got, what's the book over there? Football. Footballistics. Footballistics, which looks to me like a, a stats book, statistics, footballistics. Yeah. <laughs> um, little, little bit of a, an amalgamation of words there. <laughs> So is that something you are more interested in now? Have you always been interested in the the analytical side of the game or do you now look at it because it's literally your job to analyze these things? Yeah, good question actually. And something that I mentioned 
in my interview when I was at the Saints was when I used to watch the footy at Adelaide Oval, I the seats that I had with my membership were quite high, so you could see the whole ground. And I just remember watching not necessarily what was going on ahead of the ball, but you're watching, you know, if Crows have got the ball in the front half, like you keep your eye on what the defenders are doing. And that sort of gave me an interest in, obviously, why the defenders pointing around, they're, they're setting up the play, essentially. Yeah. So that probably gave me an interest to then looking at it. And when I was across at Arsenal, that's when they really opened me up to analytics because they spoke about what they did in analysis over there. And that's when, you know, I thought that it was a profession. So I thought, okay, here we go. This is something that I did in an everyday thing. So on a Saturday when I'd go to Adelaide over with my brother, we'd go to the pub beforehand and have a burger and a beer and whatever and talk about, you know, coming up against West Coast. Oh, shit, who are we coming up against? Yeah. Who are the players that they've got? Rah, rah, rah. What are they good at? Okay. Go into the game and then... I don't generally talk when I when I was at the footy. I don't like talking to anyone. I just like to sit and watch. Yeah. Whereas I know if I go to a game now with my girlfriend, she she probably hates it because she just wants to talk about it. <laughs> not necessarily about the game. She just wants to talk to me. She knows I don't want to talk. So I'm just sitting there, yep. you know, thinking like I'm thinking in my head what what's the team doing that's got the ball? What's the team doing that doesn't have the ball and things like that? So yeah, um, you like that with all sports? Like would it be the same with soccer tomorrow morning with this cup final? Do you think? Probably not because <laughs> I'll only be watching the the TV camera angle. Oh, of so. course. But I will be thinking in the back of my head, if we lose 3-0, once the emotion's out of it, I'm <laughs> sick and tired of the club and things like that and saying things on it's social media. It's not very media. optimistic if yeah. we lose 3-0. Hopefully you win 3-0. <laughs> Here's but once the emotion's out of it, I'll be uh, I'll be looking for things on Twitter and, and YouTube of different people that do different sort of sort of fans that do analytical pieces on on games, so I'll be looking at those to see what went wrong and things like that. So that's always in the back of my head when I'm watching basketball as well. I don't know a tremendous amount about the technicalities of basketball. Like I don't know specific plays and things like that. But yeah. in the back of my head, you know, there's certain things that teams obviously can do to stop opposition players. So it's always in the back of my head when I'm watching a game of any sport. Yeah. Yeah, if you ever go to a, a football game with me, don't expect a chat. Cause, <laughs> I mean, unless it's a game I'm not interested in. If it was two teams that I couldn't care less about, then maybe, like, let's say if Saints don't make finals, and I go to a finals game, maybe I'll sit there and actually talk for once. Maybe I'll try and enjoy the footy a bit more. Yeah. Would you want to talk, though, if you went with someone about what you're seeing and how maybe the players, or you would, or would you rather just literally observe it yourself and try and figure out what one team's trying to do in order to win? One of the good mates of mine has a bit of an interest in it. He doesn't work in it. He just he's one of my mates back in Adelaide. He's got an interest in it, and I think I would talk to him about that. Mm. Like if I was, I'm going back to Adelaide this weekend for an engagement party. But if I was to go to a footy game in Adelaide with him, I'd probably talk to him about things like that. I'd be like, "Well, what's he doing? What's he doing? What are they doing?" Things like that. There's there's certain people I would, but then people that want to go and just yell, holding the ball to the umpire and things like that, that's them, the UBU, but 
I probably wouldn't go to the footy with you, and if I did, I'd probably just sit there in silence. That's yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's me. Well, I went and watched Melbourne get smashed on Sunday by GWS. <laughs> we had a decent last quarter, but they basically stopped playing. So yeah, I was right. definitely yelling at the umpires a bit. Yeah. But we also sat behind the goal because my little sister came and she likes getting involved with the cheer squad. So <laughs> I love that. Yeah, yeah, not too much analysis, but I, I know what you mean. I certainly like trying to figure it out. And yeah. from my own point of view, in terms of you know watching local soccer, even it's. It's good to think of, and it gives you another another perspective and and more things to think of. And I think you know if you you know into analogies, which I've sort of already made a couple with what we spoke about <laughs> just before. But like you can look at different eras in life and just be like, okay, if I was external to this, what what does it look like? And you know, sometimes you might be having a shit time with life, or you might not know if moving to say to Melbourne is a better option, but you know, maybe you've you've looked at other people who have done it or you can sort of look at other things and just go, okay, well, it worked for them, so why can't it work for me? Say yeah. in the case of Darren Burgess or, I don't know, you might have had, like you mentioned, your brother now lives in Melbourne. Did he come before you? He moved to Darwin before he moved to Melbourne. Okay. So I think he's been in, he moved to Melbourne about three or four months before me. Yep. But he'd been in Darwin for a year or two before that. Right. And I mean, from all reports, I think he's he's been fine with it. Yeah. Um, so, but it sort of gives you a bit of a template to sort of see yeah. and and observe. So, I guess some some stats, so to speak, to to analyze maybe in just that, like, oh, well, I can do this and take the plunge. Gives you a bit of confidence, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. My mum moved out of home when she was quite young. I don't think my dad did. If I was, it's interesting because if I was living in Adelaide, I think I would probably still be living at home. Mm. I mean, if I was with my girlfriend, actually, I probably may have moved may have moved out with my girlfriend by now, or probably would have, because that would have been an extra year and a half in Adelaide. I dare say we'd probably be looking at moving out yeah. um, anyway. But yeah, it's interesting. I thought it was something that I probably overthought when I was when I was in the process of moving. I was overthinking it probably a little bit and there was times when I was doubting it. There was times like, I can't do this, like it's not for me. But I think once I got here and once I finally settled down and felt like I wasn't homesick anymore, it felt like brighter days, I guess. Mm. Not necessarily that it was ever difficult. There were times when I was just thinking, like, I just want to go back to Adelaide. Like Melbourne life wasn't for me, but eventually... What about it? Because I would like to know, sorry, and I don't mean to cut you off, but you say eventually like... I guess you might have gotten through it because yeah. you seem like you're doing well now. But talk to me about those hard times. Like, were like you say you you did think about it. What what maybe caused that, or what like how did you get over that? It's interesting. Probably, I mean, when you leave, I imagine when you leave home for the first time, most people are the same in that you get homesick. I think most people would get homesick anyway, and mm. I think that was probably always going to happen. I still remember feeling a bit homesick when I was in England for just a short period of time. I think, I can't remember when, but I remember at some point I was feeling homesick because, yeah, obviously if you're a family person, like massive family person, growing up with pets all my life, obviously three brothers, mum and dad have always lived at home. So I've always been a family person and love family life. So yeah. leaving that was always a little bit intimidating. But I think once I got here... And once I felt like I was doing exactly what I wanted to do and 
obviously living with my girlfriend's a huge positive. Had she not come, I don't know what would have happened. Whether or what, whether or not I would have moved, I don't know. But yeah, once it all settled down in terms of the job and social sport was a big part of that as well. I think that's probably another thing that I'll touch on as well. I think you know everyone talks, oh, you're working in footy. That's all my mates say is you're working footy. But the first year I was only there one day a week. So there was all these other days that I was obviously at uni or at social sports. So, yeah, the first year, okay, technically I was working or there, but I wouldn't say that's necessarily the holistic of what I was doing last year. So last year was probably more difficult in that there was more spare time for me to be like worrying about not being in Adelaide, if that makes sense. Yeah. So now that I'm there as of October-ish last year, yeah, I was there two days a week. Yeah. As well as match days now, so three days a week essentially, as well as having social sport up until recently when I when I resigned, there was less spare time and obviously being at uni, there was less spare time to think about Adelaide. So I think having things to do probably helped me. But yeah, it was interesting because I think I didn't expect it to be as difficult as it probably was. Not that it was overly difficult, but... I think at times there was doubt and I did speak to my girlfriend about it at times and when I realised that she wasn't necessarily struggling as much as I was and I feel like she would have had more reason to be struggling because she had been going through a fair bit of family stuff back in Adelaide before she'd left, like right before she'd left. So I thought if anyone was going to be struggling, it would be her, which understandably, and if she was now, I would absolutely understand um, 100%. So... When I saw how strong she was and how well she was doing here, it probably helped me yep. as well. So probably underestimate how much of an impact she's had on me in Melbourne. So yeah. That's nice. Good on her if yeah. she listens to this. What's her name? <laughs> uh, Georgia. Georgia. I mean, it's it's good that you obviously had that support network here with you, your girlfriend. You obviously go back to Adelaide a fair bit and see family and friends. I mean, I say a fair bit. From what I know, you yep. seem to be back there once every couple of months or so. Would that be fair to say? Yeah, I would say so. I think this trip was never planned until I got the invite for the engagement party. Yeah. So this year I haven't really gone back. I went back on the week that Saints played away from Melbourne because I don't go to the interstate games. So. Yeah. Or overseas games. Or as overseas games now. <laughs> yeah. Spreading the game to China. Crazy. But, yeah, I mean, I wasn't planning to go back that much this year and that's probably because when I went back over Christmas for three weeks, I was so excited in the build-up to go back for three weeks. But once I'd been back for... Once Christmas and New Year was finished, I still had two weeks in Adelaide. And I just remember after a few days being like, I want to get back to Melbourne. Yep. So that's when my mind switched to, okay, Melbourne's now home for me. Yep. So now I don't necessarily go back. I mean, I miss my parents 100%. And unfortunately, the other day the cat that I picked out passed away. Mm. Um, so yeah, I saw that actually. On it was a bit video. rough, to be honest, because it came as a little bit of a shock because he's only six years old. So Yeah, right. Sorry to hear that, man. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. But um, yeah, it's something that I didn't expect to come because he was so young. So when I think it was Tuesday, he went to the vet originally and mum called, obviously, all us boys to tell us that he'd got heart failure and it was like, okay, how? Like how's this happened yeah and you sort of think in the back of your mind he's too young for it to maybe beat him and he showed signs in the four or five days that he was getting better but then he just plummeted real quick and it was just basically too much unfortunately yeah he was put down and it was 
probably a little bit of a light bulb moment to be like, kind of sucks that you didn't get the chance to say goodbye. But obviously living away from home now, you you got to accept that those things are going to happen. But yeah, when I go back, it'd be great to see mum and dad and stuff, but I wouldn't necessarily say I'm missing home in that I want to move back to Adelaide because there were times last year when, you know, I might have said, if someone had said to me, do you want to go back? There might have been times when I said, let's do it, let's pack up and go. So yeah. I'm glad I didn't because I would be, who knows what I'd be doing in Adelaide. Yeah. I might be regretting it. So yeah. Yeah. Nice. It's important to sort of just stick it out and, and sort of stay the course for a while, right? Absolutely depend on those around you like it's obviously you obviously mentioned or brought it up in conversation with with georgia your girlfriend and she helped you out yeah big time she's been a big part of it to be honest because if she didn't come and i still came i probably would be living in university accommodation like college yeah which is probably more of like a party lifestyle so maybe i would have become an extrovert again maybe i would have become like a social butterfly maybe i would have been someone completely different (laughs) like who knows but um maybe that would have caused me to miss home more maybe it would have caused me to completely switch adelaide off who knows but Mm. yeah it would have been a completely different path if if she wasn't in the picture but i'm glad she is because if it wasn't for her i probably may have given up last year who knows yeah yeah nice one I've got a few more questions, man, but thank you. That's fine. Once again, so much for letting me here in your your little apartment here. So we've talked about, we've talked a lot about your life, what you're doing now, a bit about what you hope for the future in terms of maybe one day reaching Arsenal, but obviously for the time being, you're very much focused on what you're doing with the AFL and St Kilda. But do you have dreams like what maybe dreams now do you have seeing as though you've worked in and around the industry for a couple of years like would you like to be the head of analytics for the you know the national soccer team one day or for for Arsenal like is that the pinnacle for you or have you maybe not thought much about that um probably haven't necessarily thought about it because I've tried to stay as grounded as possible at the moment. Probably started to try and live more in the present than in the future because the industry is so cutthroat that if you worry too much about the future, then it could probably go a little, maybe go a bit past you, I guess. So I'm probably more concerned about my next contract than I am worrying 10 years' time. Yeah. Like I've still got that in the back of my head of what it would, what I would like it to look like. Whether that's in Melbourne or overseas or in Sydney or in Adelaide like who knows in two years Adelaide United could want someone and I apply and I get in like there's just so many avenues that this can take you because what I do the same program is used in all sports around the world so although I don't have a tremendous amount of knowledge in basketball because the same program is used if they had to train you up in the sport then you could essentially work for them so the avenues are, are endless so I don't necessarily want to say there's one dream because, yeah, I probably don't know what that dream looks like. In terms of like life away from that, I would eventually like to start a family, obviously. Yeah. Uh, I shouldn't say obviously, not everyone's into it. But but yeah, I think the work on the work side of things, whether that's AFL, whether that's cricket, whether it's soccer, whether it's working at a university as a lecturer or who knows what it could be, the avenues are endless. And I'll just take it as it comes because, as I said, I don't want to get too naive to the present. 
I think some industries you can probably get away with it, but I think the industry I'm in at the moment, if you think a little bit too far into the future, you may... I don't know. I could be wrong. I'm only so new to the industry. I'm sure if I asked my boss, he'd probably say the opposite. Who knows? But um, yeah, right now, I don't know what that dream is. As I said, I think two years ago, I said I'd love to go back and work for Arsenal. And I would, but I don't know if that is the dream. So Yeah. Cool. Good answer. And what motivates you on a daily basis to get up and, and do what you do? Do you have some driving force or some vision in your head? I know that's probably a similar question in terms of, you know, what your goals are but is there something that you know obviously you had a a good quote before but is there you know a book or a role model or or someone that you know motivates you or or anything probably hmm, probably similar to the quote in that what drives me is always wanting to get better in myself in that I want to be a better boyfriend I want to be a better son I want to be a better brother I want to be a better analyst I want to be a better uni student but the end picture of that is that I want St Kilda who I'm working for to get better now I don't necessarily have a direct impact to them getting better bits and pieces I might but there's that drive to get better as I said before you know your mates might text you and be like hey you've won four on the trot how's things everything must be perfect but in the back of my head I want to go back to work on Monday being like alright what didn't go well because we want to get better or I want to get better so that's probably what drives me is in that the role that I'm in allows me to want to get better so yeah that's probably what drives me the most is every day whether it be in home life or talking to my parents being a better son just want to make sure that whenever I go to work or whenever I wake up in the morning is making sure I'm getting better every day and I probably don't evaluate that enough I probably don't look back and be like have I got any better I probably just think to myself alright get better get better get better am I maybe not who knows but that's probably something I'd like to work on would be maybe to sit back at the end of the week and be like yeah I did this well but this is something I probably sucked at so yeah that answers the question yeah I don't know no no definitely bang (laughs) on thank you again so much for, for taking the time today I really enjoyed this chat but yeah just thank you so much you know for doing this it might not be the most comfortable thing you know you sort of mentioned you might be more of an introvert these days but i appreciate you sharing everything you have with me thanks a lot randon thanks a lot for having me on you're welcome mate there you are josh how okay so that is another episode for well, for this week, the only one this week, but another episode overall for the Hope Initiative, episode 17. Yeah, I hope you liked it. Uh, I really enjoyed the chat with Josh. He's an interesting guy, quite humble and sort of softly spoken, and as he mentions, a little bit of an introvert these days, but just because you are doesn't mean you can't get on the other end of a microphone and speak to me or just speak to others or just get out there. But I hope you got a lot out of the interview. I certainly did, as always. If you liked it, share it, let someone know. And yeah, thanks again. All the very best. See you next week.